This passage is really challenging and convicting. At the same time, I found it very encouraging. So we're going to jump into this. The first part is going to be challenging, and we're just open God's Word. But I want to end with some encouragement, so, so stick it out through this as it gets really deep and convicting to us. Remember, there's, there's a really encouragement out of God's Word coming to us as well. So with that, I'm going to title this passage, Denying Jesus. And let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, so clear to us, so instructive. As we open your word, would you grant us to not be presumptuous about ourselves, about what we think will happen, but to grow in grace and dependence upon you, in obedience to you, and proclamation of what great things you have done for us. Come and meet with us, and for the sake of our Savior now, in his name, amen. So we're going to start, and we're going to focus on um, Mark fourteen sixty six through 72, but we're going to start in verse 27 to 31. So if you'll turn back to Mark 14, 27 through 31, I'm going to call this <coughs> Peter's arrogance. Let's pick up here in verse 27. And Jesus said to them, his disciples, All ye shall be offended because of me this night, for it is written, I will smite the shepherd, and the sheep shall be scattered. But after I am risen, I will go before you into Galilee. But Peter said unto him, Although all shall be offended, yet will not I. And Jesus said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that this day, even in this night, before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me thrice. But he spake the more vehemently, If I should die with thee, I will not deny thee in any wise. Likewise said they all. And we begin with Jesus' absolute statement about what Peter would do that night. Tonight, all of you, my beloved disciples, will be offended and scattered. My Lord, you are wrong. I will not be offended. Was Jesus ever wrong? And yet his disciples did not believe him. In Peter's pride, he vehemently proclaimed, I will never fall away, even if everyone else runs away from God. And I find this amazing that Peter, who knew that Jesus was always correct, made a dramatic scene in front of the other disciples. Even if everyone else fails you, I will not. And this pride in Peter was not just a single event Unfortunately, it is as common in him as it is in me. Turn back a few chapters to Mark chapter 8, verse 29. <clears throat> Jesus asked his disciples, Whom say ye that I am? And Peter answered and says, Thou art the Christ. And immediately after this, in verse 31, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must be must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again and he spake that saying openly and Peter took him and began to rebuke him. You are the Christ. You are the one and only true God. You know everything and as God you don't know what you're talking about. Pride just doesn't seem like the word to describe this. And yet that is exactly what pride is. 
when I think I know more than God or other people. And we all have the struggle, as Peter did, with our pride and our words. Do you see a man who is hasty in his words? There is more hope of a fool than of him. Proverbs 29.20 Whoso keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from troubles. Proverbs 21.23 The spiritual battle is all around us, and I'm afraid too many times I depend upon myself. As God's children, we have the resources of our Heavenly Father at our disposal, but instead of depending upon Him, His battle plan, His timing, it is too often I have my own plan, just like Peter. When Peter was standing there right beside Jesus, he was fearless. I won't deny you. When he was in the garden standing beside Jesus, he pulled out his sword and attempted to defend him and was ready to fight the entire police force by himself. When Peter was standing by Jesus, nothing scared him. He thinks he's going to Jerusalem to reestablish David's throne and restore Israel to its former glory. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, so I'm going to do my part in helping to make it happen. And Peter has no understanding of God's plan and what's going to happen over the next 24 hours. But he thinks he does. What arrogance. What an example of me and of us. We move now to verse 66 of chapter 14, 66 through 72, and I'm going to call this Peter's denial. And I'm going to divide this into four thoughts, and let's read this passage now. And as Peter was beneath in the palace, there cometh one of the maids of the high priest, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked upon him and says, And thou also was with Jesus of Nazareth. But he denied, saying, I know not, neither understand I what thou sayest. And he went out into the porch, and the cock crew, and the maid saw him again, and began to say to them that stood by, This is one of them. And he denied it again. And a little after, they that stood by said unto Peter, Surely thou art one of them, for thou art a Galilean, and thy speech agreeeth thereto. But he began to curse and to swear, saying, I know not this man of whom ye speak. And the second time, the cock crew. And Peter called to mind the word that Jesus said unto him, Before the cock crow twice, thou shalt deny me thrice. And he thought thereon, and he wept. In this book of Mark, the author used Peter as the um, source material. I would like to reread this passage in the first person, as Peter may have told it to Mark, to personalize it. While I was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came, and seeing me warming myself, she looked upon me and said, You also were with the Nazarene Jesus. But I denied it, saying, I neither know nor understand what you mean. And I went out into the gateway, and the rooster crowed. And the servant girl saw me, and began to say to the bystanders, saying that I was one of them. But again, I denied it. And after a little while, the bystanders again said to me, Certainly you are one of them, for you are Galilean. But I began to invoke a curse on myself and to swear, I do not know this man of whom you speak. And immediately the rooster crowed the second time. And I remembered how Jesus said to me, 
Before the rooster crows twice, you will deny me three times. And I broke down and wept. First we see that Jesus, that Peter followed Jesus in verse 66. Peter wanted to follow Jesus. He wanted to be faithful. He wanted to affirm his love for his Lord. And he followed his arrested Lord into the courtyard, right into the place of his enemy. Most of the others had fled away, but not Peter. He wanted to follow his Lord. And most of us would not have gone by ourselves into that courtyard. Peter followed and went right into that courtyard. But he didn't realize his own vulnerability as he's opened himself up to temptation. The spirit certainly is willing, but our flesh is weak. And as the saying goes, the best of men are still men at their best. And there's a reason why Jesus sent out the disciples two by two. Second, we see that Peter denied Jesus in verse 68 and 70. So let's just start with a definition. What does it mean to deny, to deny something? That is, to refuse to admit the truth. For an example, sometimes a little child may do something that's embarrassing before their parents. And the parents may humorously answer, no, that isn't my child. To deny is refuse to admit the truth. There came a servant girl of the high priest and she looked. This girl didn't bring an accusation of wrongdoing. It was only an observation as they were standing around that fire that night. She looked upon him by the firelight. I saw that you were with him. She didn't challenge him. She only pointed him out. I think you were with him. And Peter's answer to that was to deny his Lord. And then the rooster crowed. Now that Peter spoke and the people heard his Galilean accent, they were sure that he was from Galilee. And with a, another careful look at him by the firelight, and the maid said, this must be one of them. And he denied it again. But now the crowd jo joins in. And he denied it again and began to curse and swear. Peter is not using a profanity in his denial, but he's calling on a higher power than himself to affirm his denial. If I know this man, may I die. He was emphatic that he would not deny Jesus, and now he's emphatic in his denial of Jesus. If I must die with you, I will not deny you. Then a few hours later, I would rather die than admit that I know you. And Peter demonstrates the weakness that all of us possess. We should be reminded that in ourselves, we have no ability to stand up to God's enemies. J.C. Ryle points out some of the steps that Peter took towards sin. It started out with pride, prideful self-confidence which led to the slothful neglect of prayer. Then he embraced indecision, and he was mingling with bad company, and by these failures he was overwhelmed with fear. Keeping our heart in the little things goes a long ways towards keeping us from great difficulties. Even on our best day, we are still sinners at heart, and without the grace of God, we will have the same struggles as Peter. And these other stories in the scripture we read could easily be our story 
without the grace of God. And again, we remember how bitter sin is and how we should be encouraged to walk humbly with our God. So Jesus has instructed us uh, carefully not to deny our Lord and he's detailed the consequences of denying our Lord in the book of Matthew. In Matthew 10 verse 32 Jesus said, Whoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. What Peter did in denying his Lord can have grave consequences for us when we do the same thing. For each of us here, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. We should all beware lest we deny our Lord. The scripture expands on this thought about denying our Lord with our words. What, are, what does the scripture teach us about denying our Lord, about the different ways? It turns out there is a clear progression through the scriptures about denying our Lord. First, we can say all the right things in front of other people, but then deny our Lord with our actions. Titus 1.16 They profess that they know God, but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and unto every good work retrobate. I can say all the right things and think that I'm doing better than Peter did on that night, but then deny my Lord with my works. And the Greek word for works has a definition of our business, our employment, the things that occupy our time, the things we produce with the works of our hand. If I went to your boss and asked you at work, does this man behave like a Christian at work? What would he say? If I asked your spouse about your examples as a spouse, what would be said? Children, what would your parents say about your behavior? Are you behaving like a Christian? We are reminded that what we say and what we think should align and match with what we do. In Matthew 7, 20, Wherefore by their works ye shall know them. Not everyone who says, says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? Yet, And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. People can say all the right things, but then their lifestyle choices and their work habits don't match the spiritual fruit that's missing in their lives. And God will deny that he knows that person. Just an example of this that is around us all the time is that of social media where our words and our actions are often separated from each other. It's so easy to present a picture of myself in words and pictures and cute videos and yet in the things that only God sees in me 
it's not well pre presented. I can say all the right things and not followed up by a godly lifestyle. To put it another way, when we care more about what people think about us instead of what God knows about us, we deny our Lord. Second, we can deny our Lord when we fail in our responsibilities to our families. 1 Timothy 5.8 If any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. When we neglect our family duties, that is a real denial of being a Christian. To neglect our God-given responsibilities towards the people we're responsible for is to deny the faith. Even unbelievers acknowledge their family responsibilities. God says that children are his blessing, and we do value the gift of life, and we show that we value God's gift by taking care of our responsibilities. When the burdens of our family weigh heavy on us, and it's a temptation to escape through other activities, friends, don't be weary and well-doing as you labor to care for the people you're responsible for. We deny our Lord when we do not provide for the gifts that he's given us. Third, we can deny our Lord when we are overcome by the cares of this world. We're going to read several verses out of 2 Timothy 3.1. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers, and of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. And here's the thought, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such turn away. We live in a corrupt society and world. How do we respond to perilous times? When the stresses of life come upon us and we're attempted to fear for our future, how do we respond? People who love their own selves and the pleasures of this world also deny God's power and God's ability to deliver us from every evil work. When we approach the problems of this world, do we do so in confidence that God's grace is sufficient for the trials we face each day? The world denies God's power. Do we deny that God's power is at work in our lives? Or do we ask him for the grace each day to deny ourselves and take up his cross and follow him? In Luke 9.23, said to them all, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same will save it. For what is a man advantaged if he gain the whole world and lose himself or be cast away? For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed. When he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. As the burdens of life fall upon us, we should remember the Lord's power and do not deny God's ability to use the struggles around us for our good and for his glory. As God said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength 
is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. May we be confident in God's grace that God's strength is made perfect in our weaknesses. And these thoughts of denial have been focusing on the negative aspects. But the Bible goes on to say and teach us that there's a positive side of denial that is for our good in Titus 2.11. For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. We have a blessed hope of spending our future with God that should be more precious to us than the things that this world has to offer, teaching us that their, God's grace is sufficient to set aside the improper desires of wealth and personal power and worldly passions, and we should be God's people, a special people, that are passionate about living for him, which is only possible as we deny ourselves the ungodliness of this corrupt world. And then after denial, in verse 72, third point here is Peter remembered Jesus. So after the rooster crowed the second time, Peter remembered Jesus, which was too late. We should be careful to not put ourselves in situations that needlessly challenge our faith. If we really want to avoid sin and to be faithful to our Lord, we need to remember our weaknesses. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, because we are weak and we need to stay away from temptation. The way to avoid sin is to stay away from it. How did Peter start out this evening? I will never deny you. It will not happen to me. Even if everyone else falls away, I will not fall. I will not fail. The phenomenon of being alone. Peter was warned about being alone, and he didn't warn, heed the warning. And the Lord provided a warning, a rooster. A rooster. When this rooster crows, you will have denied me. Which reminds us that our Lord was sovereign over this evening. Luke adds a really important detail to this. In Luke 22, verse 60, it says, And immediately while he was speaking, the rooster crowed, and the Lord turned and looked at Peter. Our Lord apparently was on a balcony, and Peter was below him in the courtyard. And providentially, when this event happened, this denial, both men were positioned so when they heard the sound of, ro of the rooster, they turned and were able to look at each other in the eye. What did Jesus do at that moment? Did he condemn Peter? No. It was a look of compassion, a look of grace. How do we know this? Because Jesus died for that specific sin the next day.
Peter remembered the words of the Lord. And when we think about our struggles, there's some words of our Lord that should encourage us. Jesus said, These things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. John 16.33 Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same brings forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. John 15.4 and 5. 4 and 5. And fourth, we see that Peter wept. That night, two disciples were disloyal to our Lord that we know of, Peter and Judas. Prior to that evening, we probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference between the two. When Jesus said that night, one of you will betray me, they didn't all look at Judas and confidently proclaim it was him. They all asked, is it I? Is it I? For each of us, this should be our response as we read this passage. Is it a picture of me? Before they fell, they couldn't tell the difference between Peter and Judas. So then, how do you tell the difference? Well, the difference is Peter repents. Peter has a desire to live for the Lord, but in his sin, there's a failed devotion as he crumbles under the pressure of temptation. The other difference between Peter and Judas is that Jesus prayed for Peter. He didn't pray for Judas in Luke twenty-two thirty-one, And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted... Strengthen your brethren. It's a real comfort to us. It should be that Jesus is praying also for us when we are his children. Hebrews 7, 24 and 25. He holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercession for them. In Romans eight twenty six. Likewise, the Spirit also helps our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Jesus prayed for Peter, and Jesus always prays for his children. What an encouragement. This finishes the story of Peter in the book of Mark, but it's not the end of the story of Peter. We move from Peter's arrogance to Peter's denial, and now we will end with Peter's restoration. In Mark 16, verse 7, it says, Go your way, tell his disciples and Peter that he goes before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. There are two words here that should jump out at us. Peter was one of his disciples. And it says, go and tell his disciples, which includes Peter. But I don't know the man. I'm not one of his. Go and tell his disciples that he's alive. And also tell Peter. The story of Peter doesn't end there at that courtyard. The story of Peter doesn't end at breakfast on the seashore. But there's a detail I like to bring out there in John's Gospel. 
Jesus had three questions for Peter that morning as they ate breakfast. Peter, do you really love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Question two. Peter, do you really love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Question three. Peter, do you really love me? Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Now, Peter, go out and live for me. The threefold denial of his Lord is meant by a threefold affirmation by his Lord. And the most important thing in this story, and it's very encouraging, is that if Peter was not devoted to Jesus, this story would not have happened. When Judas betrayed Jesus, he felt no repentance. And what happened next to Judas was very different than what happened to Peter. Peter followed Jesus into the courtyard because he wanted to be faithful. He wanted to be loyal and he wanted to do what he said he would do. If he was not devoted to our Lord, he would have run away. But there was a devotion that compelled him to follow. And the good work that God begins in our life, he completes. Judas went out from them because he was not of them. Peter is restored to Jesus in spite of the situation because of he was God's child. All of us fail in many ways. And there's many stones that we could throw at our fellow believers, especially me and especially Peter in this story. We may even sin like Peter, but if we could see the face of our Lord in this instance, his face is that of mercy and grace and compassion. When we find ourselves saying, I fail the Lord. We have a faithful high priest who can sympathize with our weaknesses and was in every respect tempted as we are and yet without sin. He is one of understanding and offers forgiveness. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may find mercy, we may receive mercy and find grace to help in our times of need. This is not the end of this Peter's story because Peter had a redeemer. And so do we. A few weeks after this incident, he was preaching to the many thousands of people in Acts 2 on the day of Pentecost. Full of God's spirit and God's power. It seems that this experience was profitable in Peter's life to prepare him for the upcoming events. Without the Peter of Mark 14 there would not have been the Peter of Acts chapter 2. And that should be a very comforting thought to us. The Lord is sovereign in his grace through our failures. This was a great man, a man used of God for tremendous things. And God shows him to us at his worst, denying his Lord. This gives hope to me that Jesus took Peter as a common fisherman and spent three years with him. But then Peter denied his Lord, repented and restored, and God used him in a mighty way. And since Peter is telling this, this story in Mark, we can deduce that he told it on purpose to show us that he was a normal person just like us. And that when we see him doing tremendous things later in Acts, we can be confident that it was the power of God working through him. Later in Peter's life, much later, he was writing to the scattered Christians and he wrote something very instructive. 
clothe yourself with humility towards one another. Do you think he learned the lesson of humility the hard way? Clothe yourselves with humility because I didn't. I said I was the best disciple. And I was the one that thought I would be able to stand true to the Lord in my own strength. Clothe yourself with humility because I didn't humble myself. And I was overwhelmed by the pressures of that day. God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. I was proud and didn't receive grace in my time of need. Cast all your care upon him because he cares for you. I thought I could live for Christ in my own strength. Be watchful, be sober, be prayerful. Because your enemy wants to devour you like he tried to do to me. One day, Peter got the whole Christian life upside down as he tried to live it in his own strength. But the good news is that the God who restored Peter is the same God who restores repentant sinners just like you and me. We have a God who's in the business of restoration and redemption because of our Savior's sacrifice. So why don't I wrap this up by reading what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 5.5. 5. Likewise, ye younger, submit unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the lion, is a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour, whom resists steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. But the God of all grace, who has called us unto his eternal glory, by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our Redeemer, the one who saves us and keeps us. And grant us the grace to proclaim your goodness, your salvation to those around us, that we would not deny you with our words, with our actions, and our lifestyles. Grant us to the grace to live for you and to proclaim Christ in all that we do. In his name, amen.